Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin show, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Aaron, the bye week is over. We've got, we had real football this weekend. Well, kind of. We had a Dolphins game. Yeah. Yeah, there was, we had real football. We also had the Dolphins. We had a lot of football this week. We had Thanksgiving football. Had a feast of football on Thursday. We had a feast of early games on Sunday that we could sit through. And then the Dolphins showed up. And they had this game against the Colts that, uh, let's be honest, all of us predicted the Dolphins were going to lose. And in fact, the Dolphins did lose it. The problem is that they lost this game in such a same old Dolphins format. They really, it was such a same old Dolphins thing. You got the you got get to the fourth quarter, you got the lead, you're doing reasonably well, and then the offense just stops working and the defense can't finish the job and the Colts come all the way back and win the game. And the Dolphins fall to 5 and 6, under 500 for the first time this season and probably within any reasonable doubt are probably done with the playoff hunt at this point. Obviously, a lot can still happen in the final five weeks of the season, but, I mean, pretty much any scenario where the Dolphins make the playoffs involves them winning these last five games, and I just don't see that happening, especially knowing that New England still has to come to Hard Rock Stadium, and granted, New England struggles traditionally at Hard Rock Stadium, and this is not the best Patriots team, even though they're somehow now in a buy position in the AFC because the rest of the AFC just has to have the playoffs go through Foxborough. It's the only way it works, apparently. But even though that team is is less than usual, it's still going to be a very tough ask for the Dolphins. And they also still have to travel to Minnesota. And uh, just both of those games that I, I have a hard time seeing the Dolphins win that. And that being said, I, I also think the Dolphins might find themselves in trouble in their games against Buffalo and their game against Jacksonville that they have coming up. So it, I just have a hard time believing that the Dolphins are going to go five and out. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I'm pretty sure the, the Miami Dolphins season as it pertains to a run at the postseason is over at this point after losing a game in Indianapolis that let's be Let's be real, if you're a playoff team and a team with playoff ambitions, you need to win that game. You really need to win that game. And uh, they didn't do it. They, they, they folded. And there were a lot of reasons that this team lost the game. And, and the takes were hot right after the game was over. And everybody was steaming at Adam Gase. And, and for, for good reason. For good reason. And we're going to get into that. Here on the show, um, there, there was good reason that people were upset with Adam Gase, but people were also upset with the defense because the defense is just sort of what this Dolphins defense is. It can't stop the run. And, you know, you, what are you going to do? This defense has a hard time battling against great quarterbacks. And Andrew Luck is a great quarterback. Uh, and then, of course, on the play that proved to be the decisive play in the game on a third down for the Colts on their what turned out to be their game-winning drive. It looked like the Dolphins were about to sack Andrew Luck, but there was a hold on the play, a pretty blatant hold that went uncalled, and Andrew Luck made his play, and the rest is history. All, those are three big things that happened, but the biggest problem is that two of them are the fault of Adam Gase. I don't know how you look at what this team is doing defensively and say, Matt Burke, you can keep your job. You can keep coaching because you're just doing a great job and and it's just these players aren't executing the way you want to. Well, guess what, Adam Gase? You picked these players. You picked, you constructed this defense. And yes, there are some injuries, but the, the defense is not nearly as beat up as your offense is. And the defense has been terrible. So if it's the players that aren't executing... 
it's the scheme that they're failing to execute. And that's the problem because there is a lot of talent on that defense. Xavier Howard is a stud. Minka Fitzpatrick didn't have his greatest game. Jerome Baker didn't have his greatest game. But these are, these are young players with a lot of talent. There is a lot of talent on that Dolphins defense. It's just the scheme isn't working. And Adam Gase could have said, Listen, you got to get out of here, Matt Burke. This is not working. We need to figure out a way. If he really wanted to salvage this season, he needed to get rid of Matt Burke a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago. He needed to get rid of him. Didn't. He's still here. And the Dolphins' defense is suffering because of it. The other big thing, and I'm just going to go off the bat with this, and then Brain is going to come in with his thoughts here. And I know we normally do positives and negatives, but I'm, I'm pretty fired up about this. Still 24 hours later. Adam Gase's play calling has been bad and questionable all year long, from from questionable at times to just outright bad. And finally, the Dolphins found themselves in a situation where fourth quarter of the game, they've got a uh, Indianapolis scores, give the Dolphins a seven-point lead. They get the ball back with about eight and a half minutes to go in the game. Any... NFL coach worth his salt knows that at this point, what you need to do is figure out a way to execute a nice, long, sustained drive to take some time off of the clock and put some more points on the board. Adam Gase comes out on first and second down and throws passes, incomplete passes on first and second down. These were his play calls. And then on third and 10, rather than making a, a significant effort to try to keep this drive alive, a drive that was very important with at eight minutes left on the clock. He runs the traditional Adam Gaze third down give up play. Draw up the middle. Doesn't work out. Dolphins punt. Indianapolis gets the ball, drives right down the field, scores a touchdown, ties the game. There are now four minutes to go. Again, a situation where you have the opportunity to make sure that the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck never take the field again. This is all you have to do is get a first down. A couple of uh, unsuccessful run play up the middle on first down. A terrible screen pass to Devontae Parker with Kenny Stills as his lead blocker on second down. Fails miserably. Gives you third and long. Granted, you're, you're way back in your own territory you're at your own six yard line because you committed a a penalty on the touchdown an unnecessary roughness penalty so the Colts deliver a pooch kick and then you commit a holding penalty or a block in the back penalty on the kickoff so you start at your own six yard line so you're pinned way back I get it but it's third down and you know if you don't get a first down here you're giving the ball Back to Andrew Luck with very good field position and it in with about two minutes to with about you know three minutes to go, whatever it is, he's gonna have an opportunity to go down and win the game unless your defense can stop him. And you know, your defense hasn't is has not really been consistent all day. The Colts have been getting big chunk plays all over the place. So on third down, what does he do? Rather than trusting his guy, his player, the quarterback. That he has told us that he has all this faith in. The quarterback who has not even reached his ceiling. Not even come close to his ceiling yet. Rather than giving the ball to your quarterback on a third down where you have to get this first down to keep your chances of winning this game alive. Rather than putting the ball in his hand, you run another give up play on third down and draw up the middle. You punt it away. The Colts go down the field and win the game on a game winning field goal as time expires. I don't know what to... Adam Gase was hired to make the Dolphins offense look like the kind of offense that the Rams and Chiefs are putting out there, that the Saints are putting out there. These are championship level offenses running in today's NFL. That's what Adam Gase was brought here to do with this Miami Dolphins team. And he said he could do it with Ryan Tannehill. Now, I understand that Albert Wilson is injured and Jakeem Grant is injured. Two of your more spectacular playmaking wide receivers. These guys are hurt. But you've got your quarterback back. I would, I would almost understand if it was Brock Osweiler, but this is your guy. And you didn't trust him to win the game for you. And as a result, you punt it. Colts come back and win the game. It's, it's awful. This has been the, the give up Adam Gase draw play is 
standard. Anytime the Dolphins are facing a second down and more than 10, you know you're getting that play call. And then you're probably getting it again on third down most of the time. This is Adam Gase's thing. He is, he is the kind of quarter, the kind of head coach that gives up on his offense all the time. And then he, and then he says in the post game that the reason that they were making these play calls is that his players weren't executing. Well, who brought the players in, Adam Gase? Who brought them? Who put them there? I know you've got injuries, but this is your team. This is who you've got. Put faith in your guys. If you think you can still win with these players, you've got to make plays. You've got to put the ball in their hand and allow them to try to win you the game. But instead of coaching to win, Gase coached not to lose. And we all know how that turns out. It turns out with a loss. And that is what has happened here. It was such a same old Dolphins loss. And this team is the same old Dolphins. We're, we're now two-thirds of the way through Adam Gase's third season in Miami, and it is just the same old thing. It's every, everything about it is so painfully familiar. This team is so mediocre from top to bottom. It's just, ugh. I'm just, I'm so frustrated. I just don't know what to do. I just hope that Stephen Ross learns from his past mistakes where he has let coaches stay a year too long and then had to make moves in the middle of the season. I hope that this time he learns and on the Monday after this season ends, I hope he walks, he has Adam Gase walk into his office and he dismisses him from the team. Because this is a mess. And there are a lot of candidates out there. There are a lot of attractive candidates. And hopefully he can get one. And he can have somebody come in and trust them to take this team and and build it. This team is not miles away. There is talent on this team. There are pieces of this on this team that you can win with. And and as we've seen, this this Dolphins team is capable of occasionally playing well. But there are a couple pieces that need to be addressed. One of them is the quarterback. Another one is the coaching staff. And the way to fix this coaching staff is to get rid of the head coach and everybody underneath him. And that's what Steven Ross needs to do. This game really put the nail in Adam Gase's coffin as far as I'm concerned. Now, Brain, I'm very fired up, as you can tell. I could see that. But I know that you feel a little bit differently about this, so... Let me hear your perspective. Maybe you'll be a little bit more level-headed than I am. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Talk me off a ledge here, Brain. Well, first off, if you if you want something to take solace in, you could take solace in the fact that this was the best thing that could have possibly happened. Because no matter if they win this game 27-24 to 24, or they lose this game 27-24, to 24, the team is still what they are which is not very good. And yes, if they win this game and they're six and five and they're actually sitting in the number six spot and they've actually got a decent shot at making the playoffs, is that true? Yes. Who cares? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is exactly the result that you said you would be cheering for, right? Yes. Right. That's what I'm saying. This is the best thing that could have happened. Okay. Continue. That's what I'm, t- that's what I'm saying is that they could, if they win this game, they're at six and five and everybody's like, oh, they're, they're in the spot. They're in pole position to make the playoffs. They're favored to win, you know, three of their last five games. And maybe they do. Maybe they don't. My guess is they probably would have pulled the same old Dolphins uh, thing and lost one of those games to either Buffalo or Jacksonville. And they'd still find a way to end up at eight and eight and miss out on the playoffs. And, you know, and we'd be sitting here and, and they wouldn't make the playoffs anyway. But. If they go six and five and they win this game, everybody's up. Uh, oh, Tannehill is back. See what a big difference Ryan Tannehill makes. He's our guy. We're still sitting in the same mediocrity and fooling ourselves into believing that we're closer than we are. Now, as far as this game, if you were if if you don't want to agree that this was a good thing to happen, them losing this game. If you were one of those guys, well, hey, the, the goal is to make the playoffs. Let's get as much as far as we can get out of it. You never know once you make the tournament. Look at the Giants in 2000-whatever and, you know, the Ravens in 2000-whatever and these teams made it to the Super Bowl as wild card teams and you never know once you get 
once you get there. If that's where you stand, one, you're delusional, but whatever. Let's entertain that. If you want to place blame and you want to go, all right, well, the the give up calls, the play calling in the fourth quarter, fine. Uh, I'm not a fan of of running the ball on third and long in either of those situations. But let's let's take a look at each situation. The first situation, you know, Adam Gase comes out and they're throwing the ball the first two plays, and it's it's unsuccessful. Um, and and on the second down play, I guess Tannehill got under some pressure, and there was worry that they weren't going to be able to block. I think that's a bit of a cop out. I do think. And on that first drive, because you're looking at there's there's like seven, eight minutes left in the game at that point, and you're up by a touchdown. Uh, and your defense, for for as much as they, they held Indianapolis in check, because this was a team that was scoring 36 points a game over the last five weeks, Indianapolis pretty much held themselves in check. Let's be honest. The Dolphins' defense had an admirable effort, but, you know, the Colts turned the ball over. They missed a field goal. Uh, you know, they they got a punt blocked. Uh, they 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 turned the ball over three times. They were moving the ball pretty much all game. It, it's not like the Dol- I mean, the Dolphins defense played pretty well. I wouldn't. Say, I'm not going to say that the Dolphins defense didn't play well in the first three quarters of the game. They they played pretty well. But let's not blow it out of proportion. Let's not pretend that the Dolphins were just dominating this game with their defense. The Colts were getting chunks of yardage all game, but the Dolphins lucked into a couple of turnovers. Now, the the turnovers at the end of the first half, I mean, those were those those were basically what what do I want to call it? Uh measured risks by by Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. They're looking at it and they're saying, hey, we're trying to get some points right here before the half. Let's throw the ball downfield. I've got man coverage or I've got cover two. I'm going to try to force this throw. If I make, if he makes the catch, great. If it's an interception, whatever, it's like a punt. And that's what that was at the end of the first half. So, you know, two great interceptions by Xavier Howard and you can't take that away from him. But those were, those were measured risks. And those were not big change, big game-changing plays. Now, one of them ended up being very impactful. Well, actually, no, I, neither of them ended up being very impactful because the Dolphins got their touchdown actually in answer to Indianapolis's late touchdown in the first half. And then one of the interceptions, Andrew Luck's first interception, the Dolphins actually got the ball with pretty good field position in the in you know, with about a minute to go in the half. And then they proceeded to fumble the ball right back to Indianapolis. And that's to me, that to me is where the game is lost for Miami. Um, We'll get back to, again, I'll I'll get back to that in a second because I, I went off on kind of a tangent, but you know, the first three and out there in the fourth quarter with, with the, with the seven point lead, I did not like the third, the third and long call. Now, you get the ball at your own six-yard line, and you run the ball on first down, and I think that that, I think 75, 80, 90% of coaches, play callers, you've been running the ball successfully all game long. You've got the ball inside your own six. You're trying to put together a drive uh, to, to get a field goal. Let's pick up a few yards and get ourselves out of the shadow of the end zone and not put ourselves in, in poor down and distance. The no gain on first down, that puts you in a bad situation. The second down play, you got people criticizing for the bubble screen. Well, you know, the bubble screen is a play that has worked for the Dolphins and gotten them five, six yards a pop pretty much when they've run it. And it's a safe throw. And again, you're you're sitting there at the back of your, you know, with your backs to the to the goal line in a tie game. You're not behind. The last thing you want to do is turn the ball over, and the last thing you want to do is make the big mistake. They run that play. Indianapolis reads it. Okay, bad. Now, the third the third and long situation, again, I'm not a fan of the give-up call. I'm just not a fan of the give-up call. But I also get it that he's looking at it and saying, you know, what are the odds that we're going to get this third and 10? Like, what are the odds that we're going to get this third and 10? The Dolphins have been terrible on third and on third and long all year long. They've been terrible on third down in general, let alone third and long. But 
what are your odds? Like maybe 20%. And if you go back there and you try to force something, I I would say the odds are better that, that Tannehill throws an interception than you pick up the first down. Now that's not to say you shouldn't go for it. I agree. I agree that they should have passed the ball. You've got multiple routes on a play. If there's nothing there, you check down and maybe a guy breaks a tackle. Maybe he doesn't, but at least you went for it. You, you had some options on the play to just run the draw play. Again, it was a give up call, but that's not where they lost this game. They lost this game because time after time in the first three quarters of this game, the Dolphins had opportunities to build a large lead. And granted, they did get the lead up to 10 points, which is nothing to sneeze at. But the lead could have been much larger. Uh, you know, that that turnover by, by Andrew Luck, his first interception when the Dolphins get the ball back with a minute to play in the first half. If they're able to put something together and put three points on the board there, that's three points that they missed. Uh, another drive, you know, when they're up, uh, when the game was tied 14 to 14 and the Dolphins are driving and again, you see, you know, the Dolphins driving and then they, you know, once they get into a third and long situation, Tannehill can't make the throw. He misses on throws. He holds on to the ball too long. He gets sacked. These are things that happen over the course of the game and they happen because frankly, they're not that good. Ryan Tannehill is not that good of a quarterback. And that's the difference between an average quarterback and an elite quarterback is that an elite quarterback cashes in on those opportunities. And the Dolphins didn't cash in and it, and they let the Colts hang around. When you let an elite quarterback, and Andrew Luck is an elite quarterback, when you let an elite quarterback hang around in a game, it's going to bite you in the ass, especially if you do it on the road when they're at home, you know, if you let Andrew Luck hang around in a game in Indianapolis, it's probably going to bite you in the ass. You let Tom Brady hang around in a game and you're in Foxborough, it's probably going to bite you in the ass. You let Aaron Rodgers hang around in a game late in Lambeau, it's probably going to bite you in the ass. And that's what happened here. The offense- well, I want to just, I just want to jump in and I just want to say that when you're, when you're saying that Tannehill didn't take advantage of the opportunities, I just want to say, on following the first Xavier Howard interception, Tannehill finds Gasecki. Well, that's and not who has a first that, down, and Gasecki fumbles the, the team ball. in general. Sure. I get that. I, but I just, yeah, I just I, want to throw that I, in I there. Get, because I get that. It's not all on Tannehill, but what is on Tannehill is the drives where they're moving the ball down the field, and they get, you know, onto the other into the other team's thirty. And then all of a sudden they can't cash in because you get one negative play and he can't overcome it because that's the difference between an average quarterback and an elite quarterback is sure. If you're running the ball successfully and you're able to turn, you know, a little dump off pass into a 15 yard gain, uh, you're able to turn a little bubble screen into, into a five to 10 yard gain, and you're able to make easy throws and, and, and you're able to move the ball down the field. It doesn't take an elite quarterback to do that where you need an elite. Any quarterback could do that. Brock Osweiler could have done that. What makes a quarterback elite is when you have these negative plays and you're in a situation now where now your quarterback needs to make the play because the opposing team knows that you're throwing the ball. They're going to drop seven in coverage and you've got to find the holes and you've got to be quick and decisive. And that is not what Tannehill is. What Tannehill is, is a quarterback that can make the easy throws. He can make the difficult throws here and there. He Look, he's thrown some nice deep balls, but when he's in a situation where the opposing team knows that he has to throw the ball and he's in third and long, he does not read coverage as well. He does not have great pocket presence, and he just frankly is not all that accurate. He holds on to the ball too long. The ball isn't where it doesn't get out in time. It's not where it's supposed to be. And that's where mistakes happen. And that's where drives stall. That is the difference between an average quarterback, which is Ryan Tannehill, 
and an elite quarterback. Because you saw it with the game on the line and the Dolphins knowing that the Indianapolis Colts had to throw the ball. Now, granted, you know, it would have helped if we could stop the run because we go into this, this whole notion of the wide nine. Oh, we're a defense that's built to have the lead, to play from ahead. Well, you had the freaking lead and you let the Colts run right down the field. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. The, the I'm with you 100% on Burke and this defensive scheme. It's terrible. Uh, where I'm not with you is that we have a ton of talent on defense. I think we've got some talent on defense. I don't think I'm not going to. I think there was some hyperbole when you're saying we have a lot of talent on defense. But the defense. There is talent on that. De- this defense is better than the numbers it is giving up. The, fair, uh, when you look fair, at the talent, fair, when fair, you look but, at the but talent the on that. Def- giving up has them as like a bottom five defense in the league. Well, but. But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you put these guys in a better scheme, the talent on this defense, if you put them in a position to play better and to and to win the game, they're going to I'll 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 tell I'll say this though. Let's look at two plays in particular, two of the bigger plays in the in the game. And you tell me you know, the problem I don't think the problem was scheme. So One play is the game-tying touchdown pass. The game-tying touchdown pass to Eric Ebron goes right over the head of Raekwon McMillan. And Raekwon McMillan does not get his hands up. If Raekwon McMillan has the awareness to get his hands up, he either knocks that down or it's an interception. That is on the player. That is on Raekwon McMillan, whom we have had problems with all year long. That is a talent problem. The next play that I want to look at is the big play that probably decides the game, which is the the third down scramble by Andrew Luck, where he averts the sack and and then and then rolls out and ends up finding, I think it was Inman all the way downfield. Uh, Akeem Spence has him dead in the rights. <laughs> like he's got him. He, he's he's just got him. All he's got to do is is just. Keep going, wrap his arms around Andrew Luck, and it's a sack. And, and you're looking at fourth and long. He falls for the oldest, he the oldest trick in the book. Like the, the Brett Favre special, the, the play fake to nobody, the pump fake to nobody, which freezes him, gets his hands up, and then Andrew Luck is able to sneak out the side door through that lane, and that's where he finds the play. You're going to blame the scheme on that? Because, I mean, no play, no defensive play is called where a guy can roll out by himself an extra four or five seconds and then expect guys to still be covering downfield. That is just a combination of a mediocre defensive player with not great awareness, uh, falling for the oldest trick in the book, and a great player, Andrew Luck, making a great play in the biggest time of the game. Absolutely. I'm not blaming the scheme for that one play. But those are the two plays that really decided. I mean, as far as when you're talking about the Dolphins defense, those were the two biggest plays of the game. Sure. And and those are things. Now, regardless of whether Raekwon McMillan gets his hands up or not, it was a brilliantly thrown ball. By, by Andrew Luck. And then the other play, it's a brilliant scramble, pocket awareness, keeping your head down, uh, you know, your eyes downfield. Officials it's missing just, a blatant hold as well. But what I'm saying, I mean, okay, sure. But that's not on the Dolphins defense then either. Where the game was lost was the offense. And it's lost. And I mean, yes, what it's going to be picked apart to death is the play calling uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, and it's fair, it's warranted, but let's not pretend, let's not just assume that by the, by Adam Gase calling a passing play on either of those, that the odds were that they were going to get the first down because the odds are regardless of play call, 
They're not getting a first down in either of those situations. No, but and it's still but, come down. Yes, obviously you have better odds of getting the first down if you're throwing the ball, and you don't want to see your give. You, you know, see them have the give up call, and you especially don't want to see that when you just heard a few weeks ago your head coach talk about how great Ryan Tannehill is and how he has a special ability. Because if he's got a special ability, you'd like for your head coach to trust him in that situation. And clearly he did not trust him in that situation to make the play. But let's not pretend that the odds were good for them to pick up the first down in either of those situations. And if they don't pick up the first down in either of those situations, the play calling at that point is moot. It is simply the same result. And what we're looking at is what really cost them the game, which is missed opportunities over the course of the entirety of the game. And the fourth quarter is not to be ignored. That just, that's part of the puzzle of missed opportunities where your offense had another, had an opportunities to put the one, to put the game away with a, with a drive that could have put points on the board and made it back to a 10 point lead with maybe three minutes left on the clock and would have pretty much put the game away or a chance to win the game with, with a drive when uh, when you started with, you know, at your own six yard line. And let's not also forget that you started at your own six yard line uh, because, because of a penalty as well, you know, because that's fine. And that's fine. And that's fine. If you don't want to, if you don't want to put the blame on Gase for the play calling in the final two drives and say that that's the cause of it, Fine, but you could very easily put the blame on Gase for saying that this offense is his project. This offense is his project, and the offense missing opportunities and failing to take advantage of mistakes from the other team and failing to put lots of points on the board is the same thing that this offense has been doing for years. For years, we've watched mediocre Miami Dolphins offenses. Yeah, you know why? Because we're the same old Dolphins. Because we don't have a fucking quarterback. <laughs> well, exactly. That's, the, that's what I'm saying. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the, well, and that's part of the reason. And the that's, coaching. Brain, that's part of the reason why this is all on Gase. And maybe he's oh, that's blowing fine. smoke. That's fine. And maybe I, he's I don't putting, disagree with that. But he but. seems to be, a, he is attaching his fate to Ryan Tannehill. And yep. that's a problem because we've seen sure. what Ryan Tannehill but, but, is. But nothing nothing changed. <laughs> nothing changed here in the last 24 hours, 36 hours, however long. You know, nothing changed. No, the, you're it, right. It, it, he put his faith in Adam. He put his faith, faith in Ryan Tannehill going into this offseason. When they decided not to draft a quarterback, not to make a bold move, not to bring in anybody, not, you know, and by all accounts, when they decided to give him an extension, you know, that all of that, look, I'm with you. That's on Gase. That's on Tannenbaum. That's on the whole front. I'm totally with you, but. To look at this and 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 delude yourself and get all upset because you know we could have won this game if it wasn't for Adam Gase. This is the best thing Adam Gase could have possibly done because the last thing that I want is for the Dolphins to 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 win this game and then we're sitting here going, hey, you know we're we're pretty close because you said we're not miles away because all we got to do is change the quarterback and the. And the uh, and the and the coaching staff. Well, one, good luck finding a quarterback. Secondly, who are you gonna who are you gonna hire as the coaching staff? Because that has that's not exactly a slam dunk. And two, there's more to it than that. Because what else we got on offense? We got a we got a an offensive line that granted has played admirably with missing a, a few pieces, but this is still a work in progress. This offensive line, this is still a patchwork offensive line. They certainly need more help there and their receiving core. Yeah. You're going to get Albert Wilson back, but you got what one more year of Kenny stills as your number one receiver. He's clearly not a number one receiver. And then you're going to what you're going to cut bait with Devonte Parker. So you're going into next year with, with Kenny stills with Albert Wilson Maybe you bring back Danny Amendola. Maybe you don't. Whatever. Then you've got Jakeem Grant. I mean, this it's not like they've got some amazing talent at wide receiver. Uh, everybody was all excited about Mike Gesicki, you know, the draft pick as a tight end. Maybe he turns into something, but he's been pretty underwhelming. 
I mean, I look at the offense and I say, well, what have you got? Your best running back this year has been Frank Gore. I mean, Kenny Drake looks all right, but I mean, I mean, really, if I mean, you put the are Dolphins- we really not miles away and meanwhile, we have a bottom five defense. We have a bottom five defense, very little talent on offense, no quarterback. And our coaching staff is now under fire. How are we not miles away? If you put the Dolphins next to the San Francisco 49ers and Arizona Cardinals and I'm going to say Oakland Raiders of the world, even though people there are a lot of people clamoring for the Oakland Raiders quarterback to come to Miami. If you put the Dolphins up against these teams, we're closer than these teams are. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't I mean, at least San Francisco. Well, first off, <laughs> first off, San Francisco. I mean, the Dolphins right now have a point differential of minus 60. Okay. Which, by the way, is tied for fourth worst in the NFL. Go Dolphins. Go Dolphins. One, two. Yes. Fourth worst in the NFL, tied with the New York Jets. Well, and but that's they got they got blown out twice. They got blown out twice. Guess what? Guess what? The San Francisco 49ers, minus 54. Are we that much closer than the San Francisco 49ers, who, by the way, feel like they've got a franchise quarterback who's been hurt all year? Are we really that much closer? That's what I'm saying. That's the delusion of the Dolphin fan that's talking right there, is that you see a couple of wins that the Dolphins got where you didn't expect them to win games, and then you look at it, and at the end of the year, we're 7-9, and nine, and you think, hey, we're miles ahead of San Francisco and Oakland. Well, I look at Oakland, and I say, well, there's a team that is completely rebuilding and is going to have two first-round picks. And they're going to be very high. They're going to have a argue. They might have the number one pick. So they got a good chance of getting their quarterback. So they might be a lot closer simply by being worse this year, which is something that the Dolphins haven't figured out yet, is that sometimes you got to take a step back to get to where you want to go instead of constantly chasing nine and seven, uh, 10 and six, because here we are again. Here we are again. And I don't want to hear about how we aren't miles away and how we're closer than four teams in the league that have the four worst records because I don't give a damn if we're closer than the Arizona Cardinals. I don't give a damn if we're closer than eight, nine teams in the league. That still makes you the 23rd best team in the league. Who cares? That's not the goal. The goal is to be an elite team, a contending, a championship contending team year after year after year. And to sit here and say, well, you know, we're we're better than seven or eight teams. In the, I mean, we're clearly better than five or six teams in the league. One, we're not. And two, even if we are, who cares? They, what kind of goal is that? We're, we're, we're significantly better than a quarter of the league. Who gives a crap? How about being significantly better than 75% of the league? That's where that's where we would like to be. That's right. where we would like we're to be. We're not close to that. We are uh, news flash. Even if we had won this game and we were and we were in position to be to be a playoff team, we are not any closer to being where we want to be. What I am saying is that there is talent on this team now that could form the foundation of a team that can perform at a level that the Saints and Rams and Chiefs are playing at now. I'm not saying the team is is a complete team is near that, but there is talent on this team that could be here when the team gets to that level. Quarterback. Quarterback is a significant part of it because when you remember, we've had this conversation in the show before, and if not this show, we've talked about it in shows past it, it, when you get to the playoffs in the NFL and you see those teams that are standing at the end, almost always it's the team with the great quarterback, the Eagles, the Eagles last season were the proof that were the were the exception that proves the rule because that was just a team that was so solid all around that you know they had a quarter they got moderate play from Nick Foles and that was enough and you could even say that Nick Foles was playing slightly above himself but when you put a player that is surrounded by that much talent it is possible to win but again that's the exception 
in this league, you look at this league now, look at the teams, look at the best teams in this league. The teams that you would say have a realistic chance at winning the Super Bowl this season. They all have one of two things. They either have an elite quarterback or an elite defense. I mean, I would tell you that if you if you need to have one of those things, if, if that's the if that's what we're saying, you got to have either an elite quarterback and an elite defense. I mean, what are we closer to having? Well, at what this we, at yeah. at this point, that's a toss up. Exactly, because we're miles away from both, and right. that's my point. Fair enough. Is that we are miles away. And to fool yourself into thinking that we are not miles away is to make the same mistake the Dolphins have made for the past 15 to 20 years. Was there anything? And that's why it is great that they lost this game. Was there anything good that you saw in this game? Yeah, they lost. Okay, aside from that. Uh, aside from that, uh, I thought Kenyon Drake played well. Um, they ran the ball really well up until they really needed to run the ball. And then they failed miserably. Um, Tannehill played fairly well. Tannehill was decent. You know, he was Tannehill. He was, he was 17 very- of 25, 204 yards, a pair of touchdowns and 119.4 passer rating. Right. And you know, he, he was, he was solid. Um, you know who, you know who I think we need to see more of based on what he's done the last few weeks. You're going to say Leonte Carew. Absolutely Leonte Carew. How about him making that that underthrown pass from Tannehill? He made the Devontae Parker play. The play that Devontae Parker is on this team to make, Leonte Carew made. There you go. So maybe Leonte Carew, I mean, who's been sitting there on the practice squad all year, barely getting playing time the first, what, three years of his career. Yeah. Two years, three years, however long it's been. Um, and... You know, he he makes a big play on special teams a couple weeks ago. Uh, what did he block? He blocked a kick or a, a punt to you know against the, against the Packers. He had a fumble recovery against the against the Packers, and you know he he made he came up with a couple of catches or he he came he came up with a catch after Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant got hurt you know in that game, and then he comes up with. The biggest play of the game, really, for the Dolphins offensively, uh, you know, that big catch at the end of the first half to make it a 14-14 game. Because when you look at what the Dolphins did offensively in this game, they really had, I guess, you know, three real sustained drives. And then they had that one big play, which was like, you know, just a 50-50 ball where he made it happen. You know, and uh, so I'd like to see some more of Leonte Carew. He's certainly been earning it with with the job he's done the last two weeks. So I thought that uh, he played well. I'll I'll tell you another guy that I thought played pretty well, but you know, and you'll probably get some disagreement about this. I thought Kiko Alonso played pretty well, but he did have a couple of plays. One, a play. I guess it was in the fourth quarter. It was, uh, you know, the Naheem Hines play where he kind of had him on the sidelines and he failed to get him out of bounds and Naheem Hines turned it into about a 20-yard play. That one was not particularly good. And then the other one was the 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 unnecessary roughness call, which I thought was a BS call. I, I completely was, agree with you. I thought it was a really terrible call and a call that really kind of changed the game. Because the Colts ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive that would have that would have otherwise been over, and he completely held himself back, um, and, and even put his hands like like put his hands up so that he so that he could soften the blow as much as possible, but he couldn't stop himself from falling down on Andrew Luck, who had begun his slide at the moment that he had gone in for the tackle. Uh, which I thought was just a terrible call. Um, and other than that, I thought Kiko Alonso was all over the place. He was he was firing through gaps. Um, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, obviously, Xavier Howard played well. We're gonna have to pay um, that man some money. Oh yeah, definitely. You have to. You can't can't afford to let that guy go. Um, yeah, yeah, I he's I, certainly a guy you got to build around. Yeah, I, I think Alonso is one of those guys who's usually on. The bad side of average when it comes to playing linebacker. But when he makes a play, he makes a play. 
You know, I think he's had a great year. He he's had a he's had a good year by his standards. I would I would absolutely say that. Um, you know, I'm looking at the stats here. Do you know who caught the most passes for the Miami Dolphins in this game? Which player had the most uh, receptions? My guess is Kenyon Drake. It was Kenyon Drake. I mean, he was, you know, it was it was checkdowns. He had a big drop, but then he also, you know, the next play after his big drop, he had he caught the ball and then broke a tackle and was able to get the first down. I thought Kenyon Drake had a really good game and I think we're getting to the point where even though Frank Gore is the more consistent running back. And certainly Frank Gore played well in this game. I mean, the, the one thing about Frank Gore is that if there is a hole to be found, he's going to find it. And even if that means that you're just getting three yards, he is going to get you the yardage that is there. But the thing about Kenyon Drake and that you saw it on his two touchdowns and you see it all the time, the, the more times you get the ball in his hands is that he's got the ability to break the big play. And if you're an offense that has Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback, and you know if you've got to go 15 plays to score a touchdown, and you know that you know at some point you're going to have a negative play and then your quarterback's not going to be able to get out of the third and long situation, you need to find a way to get big plays. And we've seen it all, and we've talked about it all year long, is when this Dolphins offense has been at its best, it's been because they've gotten big plays, and the way that they've gotten them is by getting the ball in space to their playmakers. And without Albert Wilson, and without Jakeem Grant, Kenyon Drake is the best playmaker on this team. And so you've got to find ways to get the ball in his hands. And so as great as, as Frank Gore has played, and look, I love Frank Gore. And I'm not saying that Frank Gore can't be part of this offense, but you've got to get the ball in Kenyon Drake's hands more because there's just he's just a big play waiting to happen. Absolutely, he is. Um, on top of all of that stuff, I would say I'm going to give some props to the special teams. Had a blocked punt and a blocked field goal in this game. I um I, I was pleased with the special teams in this game. Obviously, not a lot of big returns. And, of course, they did have the penalty on the last kick return that pinned the Dolphins back to the six-yard line on that on the fateful final offensive possession of the game for the Dolphins. But they largely were very good today. Uh, Darren Rizzi's unit is, is, is playing pretty well most of the time. And, and I really like Darren Rizzi. When, when Adam Gase finally gets fired, I hope Darren Rizzi at least gets himself an interview to be the new head coach of the team. I'm not saying he should get the job. <sighs> I would like him. I would like the man to have an interview. That's all I'm saying. I'd like for him to keep his job as the special teams coach. That would be fine. I, I would be fine with that too. But I at least want him in the room. I'm not saying I want him to get the job. I want him to get the sit down. That's all. Give him a sit down. Nice glass of wine. Let him talk to you a little bit. He's a good guy. And he's he's gifable. Highly gifable. You think Rizzy is a is a wine guy or a beer guy or, or you think he's going for the scotch or the whiskey? I don't know. I, part of me, part of me, to? part of me feels like he was hanging out with Chris Forster a lot. <laughs> yeah, yo. But no, I think Rizzy's a, I think Rizzy's probably a beer guy. He 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 seems to me he seems to me like a like a bud heavy kind of guy. I don't know. I think Rizzy might be a he might be just a straight up. You know, double shot of cappuccino kind of guy. <laughs> well, well, I could, I could see that too. Or, or, or you, you know, or he's hanging out with with Forster. Let's. Uh, this is this is a good place to segue into the questions here. Uh, Angry Al from Portland, St. Lucie says, "What is what is Aaron's favorite scotch?" See, so let me give you some background into this question. Oh, oh, good because we background. I, I hung out with Angry Al this weekend. How was that? So I'm not a yeah. Well, I'm not a big Scotch drinker. Uh, no, it's, I'm it's much not my go-to. I'm much more of a bourbon and or rye drinker. I'm more of a beer guy, and and then if not beer, I go to wine. And if I'm hitting up the hard liquor, you know, occasionally I'll do my my bourbon or a Canadian whiskey, or I will do really my go-to is is gin. Mm. Uh, I'm big gin and tonic guy. You don't do a whole uh, lot of tequila after that one night when I was in college. 
Actually, I, I do. I, I enjoy a nice margarita. Okay. I enjoy a couple of margaritas. I'll do a couple of tequila shots, but I don't go overboard with the tequila shots. Uh, Anymore. I, I prefer. I didn't go overboard with the tequila shots. Is that white that Russians? Was that that white was, Russians? It was one tequila shot followed by several white Russians. Tremendous. Which was the first time that I ever got drunk. This is fantastic. But, you guys, trust me when I tell you that that ends with a fantastic story. I'm not going to put it on the podcast. Maybe one day we'll do a – when we set up the, the same old Dolphins Patreon page, we'll, we'll, make that a, we'll make that subscriber content. Yes, yeah, just, let's tremendous just say story. that I love, I love me some Britney Spears. This, uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm hanging out with Angry Al this week. We had, he brought over some scotch. He brought over some cigars. So we're, we're smoking a cigar. And he, so he brought over a good scotch. I mean, I, I assume it was a good scotch. Like I said, I'm not a big scotch guy. It was monkey shoulder. So Excuse me? Monkey shoulder. Monkey shoulder. I, I, I assume Isn't that, that what that they called Mike Kosicki in college. I'm not aware of what you're referencing. I'm not, I'm not referencing anything. I'm making a terrible joke. Continue. Okay. So, well, that, I think that's what, you know, so Al wants to know, you know, is monkey shoulder, my favorite scotch. And I'm going to, I'm going to give Al, you know, a, a cheers here, a tip of the cap. And I'll say my favorite scotch is now Johnny Walker. So screw you, angry Al. There you go. Fantastic. Um, I won't even get into asking you what color label. Um, I'm going to say blue. That's a good answer. Very good answer, in fact. Very good answer. Uh, John F. Nally says, what is it about the Finns that make you a fan? And, you know, I, I, I think I'll answer for both of us here when it's just we were cursed with growing up with this team. Growing up in South Florida, this was before the days of DirecTV. You grew up in South Florida. Was the, it, the Dolphins were the team that was on. That was your local team, and that was the team we got behind. That's who we listened to sports talk radio talking about, and that's the team we saw on TV. And that was the team we cheered for. And for a long time, it was great. And especially yeah. when we when we <laughs> got in. Well, I mean, it was at least you were good. living. I mean, I'm not going to say all the seasons ended up the way that we wanted because they didn't. But for, I mean, at least you were there. You were in the thick of it every year. Every year for a long time, you believed that the Miami Dolphins had a chance to win the Super Bowl. And it never happened. And you were always disappointed. But, you know, I would almost say, I would almost rather have that disappointment than the kind of disappointment we're living with now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean I I'm take sure that. all of us. Yeah, I'm sure I would definitely every, take that. I'm sure every Dolphin fan alive would much rather. And maybe that's a good question. Would you rather have a Dolphins team that was great every year that lost in the Super Bowl like the Bills? Again, not not great every year. But that, mean, was, that was in the top. That was consistently in the top tier of NFL teams, but never managed to win the Super Bowl. Was always in the playoffs or almost always in the playoffs and always fell short. Would you rather have that? Would you rather have this never-ending cycle of mediocrity? I can oh, easily say no I would rather be competing. Um, oh yeah, at David. Well, well, let me let me touch on that. Okay, uh, this is a great time. You know, if you're a young football fan and you're just getting into the game, this is a great time to be a fan because you have so much access to all of these teams and every game every Sunday. So you could le- you could legitimately, regardless of where you live, you could watch all these games and you could decide, you know, I like the way this, wh- whether it's the style of play or it's the organization and the way that they run it, whatever, you know, whatever your preference is as to what, m- what makes a team fun to watch and why you would like that team this is a great time to be that kind of fan where you can just pick and choose who you like based on the way that they play. But when we grew up, you didn't have that. You, you were going to watch, you were going to either be the, the fan that, that picks the team that's winning all the time, which, so if we were in the, you know, we're talking, I mean, you're a little bit older than I am. So for you, you would probably, for you, it would have been probably the 49ers. And for me, in the early 90s, it would probably be, uh, you know, it could also be the 49ers. You'd have been a Cowboys fan. Or, or the Cowboys, you know, the, the Cowboys or maybe even the Buffalo Bills. 
but ugh, ugh, the Bills. It's just, just makes me cringe just thinking about rooting for that team. But that's the kind of like that's what you would have had the luxury of of being able to do. Or or maybe you would have looked at it and said, "Hey, I really love the the way the Houston Oilers are playing." But how often would you have gotten to watch the Houston Oilers? You wouldn't have seen them every week unless you went out and you know, you got like a satellite dish and you you you, you know, you had to spend all that money. And if you're a kid, you don't have that ability. You know, you're going to watch the game that's on. And and like you said, you're going to end up rooting for your hometown team. And then what's going to be instilled in you, hopefully, or, you know, you know, maybe not hopefully in our case, is, you know, that loyalty of being a fan of that team and just stick it. And that's where we are. And that's where I, I completely agree is that we were just cursed to be born into this team. David Caponetto at David underscore Caponetto says, what flavor is the Kool-Aid in Stephen Ross's cup? Because he's apparently drinking the Adam Gase Kool-Aid. What flavor is the Kool-Aid? I would say it is laced with Xanax. Fantastic. So is it the purple Kool-Aid? The purple drink? Purple drink. Oh, yeah, man. Well, that's the codeine. That's the Jamarcus Russell stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like, I like that. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Admiral Dolphin chimes in. He says, how long should Adam Gase's extension be? (laughs) Admiral Dolphin, always such an optimist. Right. Uh, he loves it. He loves the dolphins. And don't you ever try to tell them that they aren't great because he will have he will have words for you he will he, go ahead and tweet at admiral dolphin uh all of your negativity and uh i guarantee you he will come back at you with a reason why the miami dolphins are the greatest franchise ever and will find themselves winning the super bowl sooner than later very good um all right well i think that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the same old dolphin show we got a lot of got a lot of anger out I got a lot of anger out. You got a lot of frustration out, I feel, as well. Um, I think it was a good show. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you on the internet? can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am, of course, at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. We encourage you to, if you haven't already, to head on over to iTunes where you can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Um, We really appreciate if you could leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate it. It helps other people discover the show and uh, just helps out uh, this entire Dolphins community as we all sort of mourn the troubles of this team together. Um, of course, every episode of the show is on SoundCloud as well. I'm continuing to look into uh, getting us onto some other uh, podcast providers. Uh, it's been a very busy time for me. Probably won't happen this week, but hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to get us up on on some other services as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. And of course, you can get every episode of the show on DolphinsTalk.com because we are a part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. So uh, make sure you're heading over there regularly and getting your fix for Miami Dolphins columns, opinions, news, and, of course, podcasts. The DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast with Mike, Fins Up, Fans Down, Perfectville, Landon and Jeff Show, and, of course, your new favorite Miami Dolphins podcast, The Same Old Dolphins Show. We will be back with you later this week to preview the Dolphins' upcoming home game against the Buffalo Bills, a game that I'm not terribly excited for at the moment because I'm still dealing with the frustration of this last game, but uh, we'll see how I feel later on in the week. We'll see how we feel when uh, we get ready to sit down and record that show later. But until then, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. We take the ball from Gold.